0: Hello friends! Welcome to Understanding Kindness, a podcast hosted by me, Danny. I'm someone who approaches life by learning from everyone around me, and I've decided to write it all down and talk about it here with you. I've learned that in order to create change in this world, we need to understand ourselves and the world around us, all while infusing kindness into everything we do. If I can do it, you can do it, and we can do it together. Welcome to Understanding Kindness. Hey everybody, I'm so glad to be sitting down to talk with you today. I'm going to be talking about something I've kind of recently learned and been exploring about myself. If you haven't guessed what that is from the title of the episode, it's my sexuality. I want to tell you my story and also give some brief overviews of different terminology. I do want to let you know that because of our past, there will be lots of binary talk here, but I will be leading into more inclusive language. I also won't be able to cover everything in this episode. So the next episode will be a bit of a continuation. Stay tuned for that. For now, let's get into my sexuality journey. In our native segments, I've spoken multiple times about Embridge's Line 3 oil pipeline. Today, I'll still be talking about Embridge, but I'll be introducing you to Line 5 as well. Most of the information is taken from the It's Going Down episode titled This is America, number 151. Line 5 is a 68-year-old extension of Line 3. However, it was constructed with a 50-year plan. So, currently, it is almost 20 years past the point that it was created for. Line 5 takes over where Line 3 leaves off in so-called Superior, Wisconsin, traveling through northern Wisconsin around Lake Michigan, through the Straits of Mackinac in the Upper Peninsula of so-called Michigan, down through the middle of the lower part of Michigan and ending right at the edge of Lake Huron in so-called Sarnia, Ontario. Can you guess how many times the old pipeline has leaked over its 68-year history? 33 times, amounting to 1.1 million gallons of oil, and it will spill more if it is not permanently shut down. Enbridge is actually responsible for the two largest inland oil spills in history— One in so-called Grand Rapids, Minnesota, totaling 1.7 million gallons, and the other in so-called Kalamazoo, Michigan, totaling 1.2 million gallons, which is still being cleaned up today. While this spill was occurring in so-called Kalamazoo, Enbridge ignored the alarms going off for 17 hours and instead increased the pipeline pressure before the public discovered and reported the spill. Furthermore, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer took action to shut down Line 5 in the, by this past May 2021, but Enbridge has refused to cease the flow of the pipeline. So, needless to say, Enbridge has a long history of putting profit before people and our environment. Line 5 will continue to cause spills because it is simply a matter of time, especially with the age of this particular pipeline. On the It's Going Down episode where I got this information from, one of the water protectors mentioned that there are shutoff valves for the public along the route of Line 5 and urged those in the area to utilize them if they feel unsafe about the operation of the aged oil pipeline. Those on the episode also stressed that the resistance to Line 5, like that of its sister, Line 3, is indigenous-led. Indigenous resistance to fossil fuels has saved us from even worse environmental destruction, and they are the spearhead that will lead us into a sustainable future. In the episode, other ways that water protectors are resisting the pipeline and how you can join in the fight are mentioned. Check it out for more information. I'll link it in the episode notes. Shout out. Hi there, patrons. Thank you for continuing to support the show. It's deeply appreciated. If you'd like to support the show, visit our Patreon for monthly donations or our PayPal for one time and recurring donations. There'll be links for both in the episode notes. Okie dokie, let's get on to the main topic today, sexuality. Ooh. (laughs) Mostly we're going to talk about my own experience and journey with sexuality, but of course I'll be talking about what I learned along the way and where slash who I learned it from. So I'll start from the beginning because you know that's where i like to start (laughs) when i was young i'd say from about six years old kids would make fun of me by calling me a lesbian i was provoked into fights locked into sheds outcasted on buses i knew what a lesbian was i had grown up with gay people in my family and in my life i did not at all think anything wrong with being a lesbian i didn't even really think anything about lesbians or gay people they were just people When referring to someone, I never referred to them based on their sexuality or labeled them based on it. Why would I? That was never relevant to who they were or how they treated me. To be called a lesbian as a taunt and to be punished for it, though, was extremely upsetting. I didn't understand what I had done in the first place to be made fun of. At the age of six, I had no sexual interests anyway, so I didn't understand what I could be doing that would make someone taunt me with those words. The taunting and the outcasting felt like knives that I needed to pull out immediately. I would cry and yell at them that I wasn't a lesbian, but that was all I could do because I didn't understand what I was even doing to make them say that in the first place. I never felt like a lesbian, whatever that feels like. I just felt like Danny. I was a tomboy growing up, and all of my neighborhood friends at this age were boys. We'd ride bikes through the streets, run away from older kids in the park, play American football and baseball in the backyard. I loved those times. Yet, still at this age, I was not even thinking about my sexuality. I knew, though, that I needed to be liked by boys because that would mean they couldn't call me a lesbian. And the thing is, I didn't not like boys. By the time I started developing crushes on people, maybe about 11 or 12 years old, they were always on boys in my grade. My earliest romantic encounters were with boys. I never saw girls in my classes as an option to be attracted to. I never felt like I was missing out by not finding romance with other girls my age. I was content being attracted to boys, and all while that was occurring, I found that I shifted being friends with boys to being friends with girls. Boys felt like people who held the ability to show others that I wasn't a lesbian because, look, I have a boyfriend and I really like him. I can't be a lesbian. All this while I had very close friendships with girls my age. I'm notorious for ensuring that my relationships are very close, and even at a young age, this was no exception. I didn't at all think of my friends then as people to be attracted to. I understood from the years of bullying that that wasn't allowed. So as I grew older, I continued to have close friendships with girls, and later women, and mostly reserved boys, and later men, in my life for dating. Even though my understanding of my sexuality was that I was straight because I only dated men and I was a woman, I felt freedom to express my thoughts about women to my friends. Without even the slightest wondering about my sexuality, I'd say things to my friends like, ugh, I have such a crush on her, or one time, doesn't she look like she'd be good in bed? She just looks like she would, doesn't she? Despite my friends who were women not really responding to those words like I had, and my boyfriend's straight guy friends being the ones who related to them more, not once did I question my sexuality because of these thoughts. I honestly felt that everyone had these feelings, and for some reason, not everyone talked about them, or acted on them. As I became an adult and found friends that didn't bully me for these thoughts, this understanding only held firmer. It must not be abnormal that I have these thoughts because my friends aren't outcasting me because of them. I also had a boyfriend at the time who I really loved and cared for, so no one was thinking that I was lying about my true sexuality. I believe they just thought, Danny's a little weird like that. (laughs) It wasn't until after that relationship ended, I took a break to myself for a while, started dating men for a little bit, and began a relationship with George that I really started understanding my sexuality. It happened... All of a sudden, I was at the orthodontist with, who I assumed was a woman, was talking to me about something when I had the realization. The way she spoke to me, they were incredibly kind and had a soft, calming voice. I finally understood that the feelings I was having about that was attraction. I realized that those feelings and thoughts I had been having my whole life were ones that I could and wanted to act on. Something just clicked in my brain. I went home after that appointment and thought about this for the rest of the day. As I ran through my life in my mind, things started clicking left and right. Those things I'd say to my friends about women were because I, Danny, was actually attracted to them. Those feelings I'd have of being extremely close to my friends who were girls or women were necessary for me because I did crave affection from people other than boys and men. I realized that I had never allowed myself to be attracted to those friends or women in general because I was taught at a young age by bullies that that was not okay. I was taught that because of the body I was born into, I was only allowed to have romantic relationships with boys and then men. I could have relationships with women, but those would only be relegated to friendships, and I'd have to be content with that. I had spent years and years—at this point, I was 25— pushing down feelings that I didn't understand because people bullied me into that. It was like an awakening then, when I realized that my feelings were valid and I could actually be attracted to men and women. I felt like so much of my life was clicking into place, so much was making sense. I felt like I was discovering something about myself that I'd hidden away long ago and I was finally allowing it to breathe and be seen. Now, to say that I came to this realization completely on my own would, of course, be a lie. Nick from Pink Spots had a big influence on my understanding of queerness. She, too, had lived most of her life believing she was straight and only dated men, only to realize in their 30s that they were queer. Nick shared their story on their platforms and talked a lot with friends about how queerness was taught or bullied out of them. And because they were attracted to people of the quote-unquote opposite gender, they thought they were straight, but always felt a longing for more. This resonated with me a lot, but it wasn't until months or maybe even years of hearing these types of stories that I realized mine was extremely similar. It's funny looking back in my life, too, because I did have some friends in high school who were queer and attracted to anyone regardless of gender, but I couldn't allow myself to see myself in that way. The bullying was really very effective. So if it weren't for these examples and stories in my life, I am sure that I would still be cooped up in that never-satisfying closet. So upon my sudden realization of my sexuality and the following day-slash-night of thinking over what I'd learned, I was certain the next morning that I was queer. Except, with my sudden understanding at the time, I believed I was bisexual. To me, that meant I was attracted to both men and women— So when I woke up and told my mom and George about my discovery, I told them that I was bisexual. Both of them were happy for me and and ensured me that it didn't change how they felt about me. On the same day, in fact, George suggested we open our relationship and we began learning more about different relationship styles. I was all for this and excited to stay with someone I loved while being able to finally explore the side of me. I dove headfirst into learning more and more about alternative relationships and sexuality, as well as gender. I started listening to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, a podcast called True Sex and Wild Love, and listening more to a podcast I had already known about called Gender Reveal. I also read quite a few books on the subjects that were recommended on the podcasts. As I began learning more and more, George and I had more and more conversations about what we were learning. It was all so exciting— As I began learning more about gender specifically, I began realizing that I wasn't attracted to people who identified as men and people who identified as women. I was really attracted to anyone, regardless of how they identified or what body they had. To me, it is unimportant what is between someone's legs, and frankly, I didn't enjoy objectifying people in this way. Though I did, and still do, have attractions to people based on their bodies, I have begun untraining myself from that. I don't think it's necessarily always problematic to be attracted to someone physically, but to me, it was always much more important that I was attracted to a person's personality and mind. This is a side of me that I wanted to cultivate more. And since understanding this, I've begun trying even more to see people for all of who they are. This part specifically has been an interesting leg of the journey. Upon my sudden realization, I now looked at people in a different way. I had been pushing down feelings and attractions for almost my entire life, and when I wasn't doing that anymore, it felt really satisfying to look at people who didn't have quote-unquote male bodies and let myself feel attracted to them physically. I felt like I was finally getting to play a game that I'd been banned from previously. And that's where it started to feel icky. I knew I was attracted to women physically, and I'd fantasize about being with a woman, or anyone with a pussy, really, but I also knew that I was attracted to people other than penis-wielding men because of their personalities and their kindness and their affection. You see, even while I dated exclusively men, I still felt that personality was much more important than looks. Typically, I dated boys, and then men, who were kind and soft and gentle and loving, Yes, I was also attracted to them physically, but you see that that is beyond the point I'm making. In our society, traits like these are usually taught to and reserved for those who we socialize as girls or women. Being soft and kind and gentle are stereotypically thought of as quote-unquote female traits, and men and boys are often punished for having them, whether it be by authority figures or peers. It was obvious from a young age, though, that I had an attraction to people with these traits, and at that time, I only sought it out in boys, and later men. So, because of the icky feeling I got from objectifying people I viewed as women, I began casting aside those thoughts when they popped into my mind and focusing on their personality, or, if I wasn't actually meeting and talking with them, not thinking about them in that way at all. At first, it felt unfair. Men have been objectifying women for hundreds of years. Why can't I just get in on it for once? But with further thinking, I realized that that's exactly what I want to get away from. I don't want to be attracted to someone based solely on their looks, and I don't want people to feel objectified. I don't want it to be acceptable. We cannot choose our bodies, and I don't want anyone to feel that they are inadequate because of how they look. It is much more important what is in their mind, the thoughts that go on in their head throughout the day, what they believe about the world, what they believe about themselves. Not everyone has big boobs, or a big penis, or a tiny waist, or broad shoulders, and it shouldn't matter anyway. The fact that so much of our mental energy in the society is taken up on our looks that we cannot change at the end of the day is exhausting and a deliberate way to make us feel inadequate so we're more susceptible to buy things to try to get that perfect bod. Your personality, how you treat others, how you treat yourself is much more important. So up to now, most of the language I've been using has been very binary. But from what I've told you, I am not only attracted to men and women, I'm attracted to people of all genders. I want to break down what I mean by this a bit more. I'll get more into this in the next episode, but for now, a brief overview. When I first began discovering my sexuality, I initially identified myself as bisexual. It made sense to me at the time, but upon learning more, my views on that term have shifted. Bisexual implies that there is a binary, men or women girls, or boys. It implies that there is no in-between or beyond these two options. Within this realm of focus would fall trans men and trans women. Trans meaning someone who does not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. These individuals would be considered deviants of this binary, but at least they fit within it. Perhaps you've heard of the term non-binary, or genderqueer, or genderfluid, or agender. All of these identities defy the gender binary all of us here in the U.S. have been taught since birth. Basically, these terms mean the person doesn't ascribe to one gender or either of the genders we've been presented with to choose from. I'll get more into each of them in the next episode to suss out how that all works. Generally, the fact that people are identifying in these ways shows us that there is more than just a binary of gender. When I learned more about this, I started to see my identity of bisexual as not true for me. Some people view bisexual as meaning being attracted to someone of their same gender identity and of any other gender as well. That is a newer definition of the term, and I still feel that it engenders a gender binary to most people. Since I am attracted to anyone regardless of gender, I choose to use the term queer. To me, this just means that I'm not straight. Generally, the term queer means going against the norm, which I've mentioned in previous episodes before. Personally, I see everyone who does not identify as straight as queer, but people enjoy being more specific to help people understand exactly who they'd want to date. For instance, I could use a term called pansexual to identify myself. This means that one is attracted to all genders, hence the pan. Hearing that someone is pansexual, right off the bat, I would know who they were attracted to we wouldn't need to have a discussion about it. But that's my whole thing. I want to have discussions with people about these things to get to know them better and more deeply. That's why I choose to use the term queer. I feel that it identifies myself as someone who goes against the norm, but to find out exactly how and why, you've got to get to know me. Sexuality is a sticky subject, especially while we're learning so many new things, and language and the way people present themselves is changing every day sexuality is based on how we as a society view gender and how we view gender is changing so how we view sexuality is changing and not only how we view these things is changing part of the reason sexuality is so sticky is because our personal sexualities can shift and morph throughout our lifetimes the true sex and wild love podcast can teach you more about that if you're interested even if you don't know all the terms and feel like you're playing a game of ketchup Remember that things change all the time. The answer is not to resist it and try to keep things the same. That will never end well. The solution is to go with the flow. If you don't understand something, ask. If you wonder about something within yourself, explore it. Be curious. My sexuality journey is not uncommon. All of us, especially we who have been socialized as women, are taught that there are two sexualities, straight and gay. Most of us grew up without seeing any other options, and for many, it doesn't affect their lives in the slightest because they genuinely align with one of these sexualities. Of course, gay people have faced discrimination and hatred for centuries. My only point is that they were able to choose from one of the options given. So who is the sexuality binary narrative most damaging for? Those of us who go beyond the sexuality binary of straight or gay were told to stuff down and hide part of our sexuality and identity. We were told that our attraction to the quote-unquote same-sex was just how you feel with friends, or famously, for women and girls, that you just want to be that person instead of be with them. This narrative is damaging and holds people back from all that they can be and all that they can give. I am incredibly grateful to have finally found and understood my sexuality. My life experiences growing up and throughout adolescence and into adulthood have clicked into place and my life and feelings finally feel valid. Not having to push down feelings that were so strong that I had to continuously rationalize away is the most freedom and relief I've felt in just about my entire life. Understanding my sexuality so deeply that I can work on seeing others for all of who they are rather than just their appearance has allowed me to be more myself than I've been since childhood because I see the beauty in all parts of me rather than just my appearance or how men view me. Though I went through hardships in the past, if it weren't for all those who've been struggling for a world where sexuality can be freeing rather than entrapping— I don't believe I would have been able to have come to this conclusion and live my life happier than ever before. And it's because of all those who've been struggling that the hardships I went through weren't worse, and why I'm here today, as I am. I wish I knew these things sooner in life, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't change my experience at all because it's made me who I am today. It's been a long road, and there's still so much to go. I'm excited to continue exploring all those parts of my sexuality, especially those that go beyond the binaries that have been presented to us. Recommendations... Alrighty, we've got quite a few recommendations for today. First, there's Pink Spots, either in podcast form or on YouTube. Nick provides some great information and personal stories about sexuality that helped me understand more about myself then the podcasts I listen to after learning about my own sexuality, Normalizing Non-Monogamy, True Sex and Wild Love, and Gender Reveal. They're all unique in what they provide, so check them out if you're interested in learning more about non-traditional relationships, understanding more about sexuality and interest from a scientific perspective, and the fuckery that is gender, respectively. Then finally, there's the It's Going Down episode titled This is America number 151 for more information on the fight against Embridges Line 5. As always, all of these will be linked in the episode notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. All this content is free and I'd love to make it my job one day, so if you're financially able, join our Patreon or send a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. You can also share an episode with family or friends and give UK a kind rating and review. Check out understandingkindness.com for all episodes, transcripts, and blog posts. And why not take a listen to my other podcast, Better When Awkward, co-hosted by my childhood best friend, Jasmine. Get in touch with me by emailing understandingkindness at protonmail.com or through social media. You can find all links in the episode notes. For now, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, and question everything. I'll be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Understanding Kindness. All right, well, I didn't press record the first time, so we're doing this again. All right, that's it. We're done, and I hit record this time. Thank God.